Well, and this is one of the things that I always loop back to. And, I, and one of the things I really want to emphasize is, you know, calculus is cool and uh, you know, reading comprehension is important. Like these things are important, but conflict resolution, resilience, confidence, interpersonal skills, logic, you know, some of these things that, that get sidelined in a lot mm -hmm. of forms of education are really what the most important. Welcome to Imperfect Parenting. I'm Ariel Green Anderson. My name is Matt Anderson. We're bringing you raw, real, and unfiltered stories from around the world. Are you an IP parent? Hey, it's Coach Ariel Anderson, and you just heard the voice of Chris Santillo of Chris and Holly and Resilience Parenting, their incredible book. If you remember, a bit back there before all the, ra the random madness of the world, Chris and Holly transformed their life, made some huge big changes, huge big changes, I don't know, and uh, talked about their dojos and the power of failure, and they themselves were putting it into action, going on the road soon around the world while, uh, you know, shelter in place and all these other crazy things were happening. And so today we get to revisit, you know, what what was that like? And I wonder if you guys notice, if you go back, I'm going to put a link in the description. You go back and you listen to the last uh, episode that we had together, all of us, and see if you notice that there's been a bit of a role and energy change inside of their relationship. And I just think that is so amazing because it really reminds us of how whatever's happening in our lives at different moments, there's a wave, there are waves up and down, back and forth. And sometimes one of us lets go of something and another one picks it up. It can happen inside the family, happens inside the partnership. It's so powerful. And I love seeing this in action. So I'm super curious if, uh, if you feel it in the same way, it was really strong, really beautiful. I love that about, you know, the dynamic mixness of humans, parents, uh, partners. So uh, I just want to say thank you for being here, for being in our imperfect parenting circle, for inspiring one another uh, to keep going through the failures and successes. And I love sharing these stories of parents, of people who are doing their best uh, to, you know, make things work in the world and and contributing to, you know, the, the stresses, the problems, the issues in your own life and all the joys and how to, you know, keep encouraging you to keep going. If there's something that is inspiring you, whether it's writing a book or creating a business, having another baby midlife, if it's uh, something that I can't even think of right now, or just being an amazing parent and not going mad inside of it. There are so many things inside of this conversation today and I don't want to hesitate another moment so let's just jump right in with Chris and Holly Santillo. Hey! Hey! Hello, hello. We don't know what we're oh. doing. <laughs> Alright, now we can hear you. No worries. <laughs> Keeping it together as best we so can. So good to see you guys. I just literally was like throwing my daughter at, no not throwing her but you know <laughs> eating a last bite of breakfast setting her up and she was coming and giving me kisses and bringing me you know energy things or you know good luck 
magnets. Yeah. Good <laughs> so, magnets. I, I don't I never do an interview without a magnet in my and my tinfoil hat. It's great. To <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so good to see you. Chris and Holly, gosh, I feel like a lifetime, well, a lifetime has happened since we last met. And the world's changed quite a bit. How old is your daughter now? She is five. She's just going into kindergarten in August. I know. It's so bizarre. And when we last met, you guys were still in the country, hadn't done your world adventure. We're just at the edge of things. And you were one of my first, uh, how can I say it? non-live um, interviews. I did most of my interviews, um, you know, face-to-face. So it was at the beginning of an era that I didn't even know was about to come. Mm. <laughs> and you guys too. And, oh my gosh. I mean, how are you guys doing? Where are you right now? <laughs> we're, in, uh, we're in Ireland. We how just- are you doing? Yeah, we're all right. We're, we're doing a pretty fine. good year. We're doing fine. We've had a good year, all things. Which we try to say quietly because we know a lot of people had a bad year, but but we've had a good year. Yeah, but there lots of people had good years as well, I think. But like you said, they're saying it quietly, yeah, right? Because, <laughs> I'm not supposed to say that, but I, I would say there's a there's a split. Either it was really, really intense. I, I find it's like one end of the spectrum to the other mm-hmm. and not as much in the middle. It's like either it was full on transformational, challenging, whatever, or wow, this was amazing. Who knew, you know, so yeah, I, yeah. I think it's- you either, yeah, you either, you know, lost your mother or you got to stay at home with your kids and, um, or, and, you and your net worth increased or you, or like you lost your job, you yeah. know, what, yeah, you know, yeah. right. It's yeah. Like you say, we kind of covered the ends of the spectrum. So gosh, all the, the plethora of questions I could ask right now. <laughs> well, what? Yeah, just being silent for a second feels also right. Uh, I guess the first thing that comes into my mind is like, what was, aside from the obvious, <laughs> crazy pandemic world difference, what, what was the thing that sticks out at the moment that was a bit different than you expected, aside from that piece? But, you know, you went into it with this great book, which, by the way, I'm constantly using in my own life, you know, talking about resilience, parenting, especially the piece about how important it is to fail since there's been a lot of that in the, you know, with, within my circle, with clients, with myself, even our family, um, it comes up so much. And I remember when we talked, uh, you know, you were seeing the own, cha- your own challenges of like how either one of you would say, you know, talk about the book and, Oh, we should be doing this. Or, you know what I mean? Like inside of your life, how you were, you were using that and how you were living it yourself. And I'm sure there were intentions going into the trip. Um, what on the other side of it, what, is some, what are some of the things that popped up that were unexpected, both on the, as we were saying, you know, both the wow, amazing and oh, holy bleep, 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 bleep. I didn't expect that kind of thing. Mm. That, that could be, one of the, you know, <laughs> there's fair right there. There's a lot there, right? Yeah, I think yeah. one of the things that, that uh, this trip, and, and again, this trip has just been one new set of experiences. There's nothing, you know, people talk about what happened to them during the year. And, you know, we happen to be abroad. Some people at home, we had our challenges. They had their challenges, you know. Um, but one of the things that came up for me is, is just a bunch of examples of how our mental, emotional state, both individually as a couple, as a family, 
um, is in so many cases a much larger, much more significant variable in every situation than I think we give it credit for as we talk about big challenges and we talk about small challenges. And, you know, we, we um, one of our fun adventures was uh, walking across the border between uh, China and Kyrgyzstan. And it's this four or five kilometer long no man's land. And uh, there's a rumor, uh, a rumor that someone at our, our hostel told us that there would be a taxi at the other end. Um, but there's no information available. And so you just kind of, you know, and you, and you walk and you hike and, and you plan and you, and you do your best. And we have a video clip of Holly. She, she put on show tunes and cause, cause we're carrying everything that we own on our back. So we have our five kids, you know, and our youngest at that point, I think was probably seven, maybe six. And uh, he's got all of his gear on his backpack and we're hiking through this mountain pass. And I think it's, I should look it up again because I just, every time I say this, I make up a new number. It's like, I don't know. It's like, it might be nine or 9,000 feet or something. Maybe it's 10,000 feet. Like it's, oh, wow. it's not a low, you know, it's up there. It's cold. Um, you know, we're getting on towards the latter part of the day and there's a lot of faith and there's a lot of keep up your spirits and, and mm. all five of us, we were fine. And it was just like we were told, like there was one, exactly one, just for the record, exactly one taxi and the five of us plus a college age kid from Kyrgyzstan, uh, plus the driver piled into this Toyota Corolla for the next three hours. And, um, and that was a great day with what I think by, by some reasonable standards was a intimidating challenge. And then you cut to, I don't know, a year and a half later, and I am in the lobby of a hotel in Ecuador. We're in Guayaquil. It's the largest city, the, not the capital. This is where you're going. <laughs> I, I was waiting going. to find out, you know, I know this story, but I don't know what is how it answers your question. Okay. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited we, we just got actually. back from an eight day uh, cruise of the Galapagos Islands and uh, which was just, you know, glorious and wonderful. And, and there, there's more wildlife, according to the guides, there's more wildlife now more than ever going back to the, you know, sometimes there may have been some inadvertent upsides to COVID, for instance, there haven't, we haven't been tramping through the Galapagos as much. And so we had this wonderful experience with wonderful people on board and a wonderful guide. We, we get off, um, the plane and we get a taxi and everything's going swimmingly. We get to this really nice hotel, much nicer than I had anticipated. And um, we had booked a double room for the five of us. And they said, Oh no, there, there are five of you. I'm like, yeah, yeah. The, the kids are really young. They share a bed. It's no big deal. We, we do it all the time. And uh, they said, no, um, we have a limited capacity of four people and you can't do that. I said, oh, well, maybe I'll just cancel my reservation and go somewhere else. And, you know, this conversation's dragged out. And then they say, well, because you booked online and prepaid, uh, you'll be you'll be zinged for the first night or whatever it was. I think it was a one night reservation. Now I'll be zinged a, a one night penalty. Uh, but sure, you can cancel if you want, but you'll be zinged a one night penalty, which is, which is kind of where we're at to start with. And I just I was completely overwhelmed by this. I turned to Holly. I'm like, please, just just. Can you handle it. You handle it. Like, I just, and I'm like, I'm like laid out. Like we were traveling with some other people and they're like, is he okay? Like I am, this is the biggest, most monumental challenge I've ever encountered. It kind of sounds like when we couldn't rent motor scooters to go around. Oh, I was just, I was Island done. In Taiwan and Chris was literally on the floor. I was on the floor. I was practically done. weeping. And in the end, <laughs> in the end, like, like, you know, you look back and you try to like wrap your head around like, what is the magnitude of it? Ended up giving in we got a second room which means we got a private room which is nicer anyway it cost me 30 dollars 
<laughs> the place, the place had a beautiful pool and included breakfast. And maybe some friends. <laughs> I, 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 I might have caught. It might have still cost us in the end. I, I'm not entirely sure that uh, yeah. that our friendship will survive the memory of that day. Oh but um, so, what's the main point? The point is that our a mental and emotional state is a larger variable in how large a challenge is uh, than okay. how large the challenge is. Mm. That when when we're when we are at our best, when we are full of all of the wonderful things, and, and if we want to loop this back to parenting, because there were kids in all of these stories, we want to loop this back to parenting. If we want to uh, appreciate the magnitude of why it's so important to raise children who are resilient and capable and don't crumple like a wet taco when the guy at the counter says you have to pay $30 for a second room, you know, um, that uh, and instead have the kind of people who can walk into uncertainty into no man's land between uh, two foreign countries with uh, with courage and and vigor and singing show tunes the whole while. Um, if we want those kids, then we need to figure out how to raise kids who end up like that. And then again, the giant asterisk at the bottom of this is none of us are that person all the time. No. It's just a question of how often we can be that person instead of the the guy laid out there on the sofa. You know what I think it is, is that if we prepare for not knowing when, when we just prepared to walk across that border, knowing that it could be totally painful. Expecting it. <laughs> expecting painful. it. Yeah. Expecting the worst and hoping for the best. Whereas you expected to walk into a hotel, and to walk into a hotel and have what you had. And, and it wasn't available to you. Same thing with the motor scooters. Like, like if, if our expectations aren't met, then then we suffer, right? Yeah. I, yeah. Think no, I hear what you're saying about the emotional that's state, though. Exactly what was coming up when I was listening to you, Chris. I was thinking, ooh, that's such a familiar territory that, it, that um, the attachment, the expectations and attachment to what we, what we expect versus, yeah. you know, that openness to the unknown. And, you know, like you said, you were prepared on <laughs> to do for whatever might be coming, but there's this expectation you get into, you know, uh, civilization and there's an expectation of the treatment that you guys would get and, and all of that. And, and then there's also that piece of how often have we uh, argued or pushed up against something that is actually coming from our, our own culture and, you know, even economic culture where you're like, no, out of principle, not a second room. And then you realize it's $30. It's not 300. Sometimes there are those moments, even when you're, you're, you know, uh, bartering, not bartering, uh, you're negotiating with somebody in the street and then you realize, Oh my gosh, that was for a dollar. Really? I I want to be clear. I want to be clear. I I knew it was 30. (laughs) I want to be clear. I knew it was 30 and I was still, like laid out. It was the principle <laughs> or some nonsense like that, except I was I, the I, one who was, yeah, no, it's all nonsense. It's all nonsense. But, um, so my answer to your question ties in a little bit with what you said about being able to be open to whatever is going to happen. We, we went into this whole adventure of traveling for two years with the mindset of, we will find a new perspective for ourselves. We will learn about what it is that makes us feel great about how we want to live. And, and we did learn a lot. We, we learned that environmentalism matters much more to us than we had ever practiced before. Um, I think that was one of our, my biggest takeaways. I know it is. 
we also learn we might not want to live in the United States. And that is not at all what I was expecting to find. So I've been having a lot of temper tantrums about that, you know, trying to figure out how that works when I want to live next to the family I love in the United States. And yet I don't want to live in the, the culture where we had been raising our kids. And, and we thought, well, maybe we can just kind of finagle it where we can live close to our family and still yet be somehow in a pocket of non-United States culture. And we just we haven't been able to find that place. So we might not be going back. And that's... Um, I think that's perhaps as big of a change as we could. And, and certainly, like she said, well, well beyond any... Any expectation that we had. Any expectation. And so, yes, we were prepared to have an open mind to it all, but uh, it's but, been like really Grace hard said, to adjust to this idea. I, I think um, my I have a fictional character in a book I haven't written yet, but he is going to say at some point, if you travel around the world and come back the same person, you didn't do it right. Hmm. Mm. Well, it's uh, that's spot on. And uh, I can say that many times during the year, I thought of you guys. I would see your Instagram pictures, your gorgeous pictures pop up. And I would and I'd look at my mats and I'd say, they are doing the right thing right now. It was very hard to be here in the States after having been around the world and knowing the difference in the mentality around traumas or big things that come up in the world, you know, knowing how it would be handled in Thailand or in different parts of the world versus, you know, here and, and the conflict, you know, exactly what you're talking about. We go through it daily, you know, are we in the right place? You know, on one hand, yes, we feel it's a big yes. And on the other hand, you know, I get, yeah, is what I want to say. And it's, 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 it's it's challenging to find the answer, especially when you have family, you know, when the pandemic started, we were in Cambodia. And during the two and a half months that we spent in Cambodia, according to the official statement of the Cambodian governments, there were zero deaths. You know, there are some places we, you know, <laughs> um, the United States's handling was far from perfect, but there are a lot of places uh, whose handling was far from perfect as well. So, That's true. You know, yeah. I, um, I don't know yeah. if I was really upset at the United States for handling COVID in a certain way, honestly. No, and, and I'm not going to go through that. <laughs> I'm not going to go deep into the politics of the world because I, you know, I have friends in WA as well in Australia and, and, you know, they didn't have any cases for a long time and they were locked down. There's like, there's so many conversations to be had about the things that worked and didn't work. I think mm -hmm. it's, it was, uh, to clarify, I think it would, it's, it was more about the, you know, talking about expectations and, uh, and, you know, result or whatnot. It was actually the handling of the people and watching mm. people transform into their default fear mode and what that meant to community mm. and people's interaction and deeply, deeply affecting children uh, mm. of all ages and people of all ages. So it was more that piece that you know, where you are in the world and how it was, how people managed it and whatever that's about, you know, we could spend hours on, you know, where, where that goes. It was just uh, you know, a moment in time, but again, you know, the grass is greener. We could be like, Oh, in check, they would have handled it like this. And then, you know, Vietnam, it would have been like this, <laughs> but you know, I mean, every, uh, like every person, you know, that you're in relationship with in your life, uh, you know, there is no perfection. It's, 
there's always, you know, pluses and minuses. How uh, you, you sort of answered the question that I had in my mind when I sat down with you guys today, which is, you know, how, how are you different? You started to answer that maybe from, you know, answering this piece here, but how are you different? Each of you, how do you feel changed by your experience, which you're still in the middle of, but at this point in time, what has shifted and what stayed the same? It's funny. Holly said two years, but we're, we're at, we're rolling well past two and we still don't, we're still not anywhere. So <laughs> we're still nomadic. The, uh, the delivery guy today, cause we delivered guy groceries delivered. He's like, so where are you from? We're like, uh, you know, we're from somewhere. Right now we live in Ireland. Right now for we, the next we are three from, months, potentially. We are right here right now. And, uh, and that's something all by itself. Um, that was a big part of our travel credo. Just that one by itself that our, our after we started, and I think it was after we spoke with you last, um, we tr- created a travel credo with the children and um, to speak to the things that we wanted this adventure to be about. And, uh, and then, of course, it closes with the idea that um, no matter f- where, how far we roam, we are never lost. This family is our home. And because mm. uh, I think with, a, you know, originally six, eight and 10 year old and now 10, 12 and or, uh, eight, 10 and 12 year olds. Um, I think that uh, wandering around and not knowing where you're going to sleep every night is um, could potentially be uh, upsetting, but it's, it's been really good. They haven't, um, they've really ground and let go of some of the artifices of um, a home, of family, of security. And, um, and I, I'm happy to say, I think we've been able to provide the important aspects and uh, that having a, a physical space, having a house, um, is not is not important. And we were, of course, as as many people were concerned about that going into it, that they would be feel uncomfortable and unsettled if we didn't. And early on, we planned a lot more, and we, you know, oh, we're going to be staying here, and then this is how we're going to go. And you know, we we were in a month or so ago, we were in Ecuador, and um, we'd been traveling with some other people who traveled very differently than us, and. We said, you know, we'll go this way, you go that way. And they like, in the minute that we decided that, um, they planned out the next three months of their lives. And it, like, I talked to them 48 hours later and they they knew every single bit of lodging that they were going to do for the next three. And then wow. they headed to Hawaii. Like, you know, they were going through Colorado to visit some family and then they were going to Hawaii. And like, it's a wonderful adventure they're on. But that's their sense of like, I need to, mm-hmm. I want to know where I'm going to be. And they were picking mm-hmm. out like their, what, what day excursions they were going to do. And we woke up that morning, we ate breakfast and looked around and said, what should we do today? And we, <laughs> we packed up and we walked to the bus station. We didn't know if the buses were running or when the buses were running. And we found somebody to take us to a place we had heard good things about. And we got off the bus and we walked downtown and we said, I wonder if there's a hotel around here. And I played in the park with the, the boys while Holly walked around um, checking out hotels. And we checked into hotel and and found our next meal. And, um, and we booked it for one night. And then, then in the morning, we're like, we like it here. We'll stay another night. She's like, how long? He's like, well, let's say another night for now. And then tomorrow at breakfast, I'll let you know. Um, I think so is your answer that we've become a lot more flexible, able to not plan. I think there's a lot of truth to that. And this goes back to something that, uh, that Ariel said earlier that, um, and, and I'm pretty sure you and I are not the first pr- people to suggest that this idea of attaching to outcomes, this idea of having a notion of your own control in life that creates the suffering. I'm pretty sure someone else said that a long time ago. And, um, 
that if you have a notion of today, I'm going to get on this bus at this time, and then I'm going to arrive in this city, and I'm going to go to this hotel, and the hotel's going to be waiting for me like I want it to be, then there's an opportunity for for the reality to clash with your expectations. But if you have no notion of that, if you just say, I don't know what today's going to bring me, um, then then you don't know. It's easier to have no notion of what today's going to bring me when you haven't planned today. It's easy to be happy-go-lucky when you don't, you know, when you really don't know. But my expectations could not uh, fail to be met. And, and um, but I think that, but in real life, when you're not on a sabbatical, then you do have appointments and you do have meetings. You do have places you have to be. And I think that that's where we creep into this notion of, I have expectations today. I'm going to get on the freeway and I'm going to go to my meeting. And then I, I hit traffic. I wasn't supposed to hit traffic. I wasn't expecting to hit traffic. And now I'm mad that I hit traffic and now I'm late for my appointment. And you know, that, that there are more opportunities for that to the extent that we plan out our lives. I think we went three different places in the same sentence. I think I'm proud, <laughs> of, okay. that. I'm proud of that ramble. That's uh, well, ramble. While he was talking, a lot of things popped up for me because my first answer to your question, Aries, I think I'm really a lot the same <laughs> after all this. I don't think we really changed to the core. And to be fair, it's only been two years, right? And I've been working on who me is for 40 (laughs) more than that. So (laughs) she's still, yeah, she's still in there. But there are, you know, thank you. He was talking about home and how we, you know, our family is our home. And, And yet I have to laugh at that because what do we do? The minute we got into this place, we're staying, um, for the next two weeks, we I instantly rearranged all the furniture. We're the worst Airbnb guys. <laughs> I cleaned the filters oh on the vacuum. I cleaned all the I cleaned out the filters We're on the, the vacuum. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you can take it how you take it how you like it. And I cleaned out the filters and started vacuuming underneath Fully the sofa. Fully nested, like Holly moved the lamps. I, we are craving. We are craving a home. We watch home improvement shows now, like junkies. <laughs> and Irish ones to boot, um, love the garden, love, you know, cooking anytime I can get my hands on some dough instead of eating Ariel, stuff. We had homemade goat's cheese. Holly made goat's cheese this afternoon. Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't know that was wow. possible. I didn't, I didn't, didn't know, know it was possible. I didn't know. I didn't know. So, um, that, that's a shift, you know, we went a shift from needing to get rid of all of our stuff and all the, the home stuff that, that was weighing on us to to be free for a little while now we are i'll tell you that is something i miss so much about having a home and a community in a sense i miss my blender we had such <laughs> a good blender it was it was top of the line and i could make huge smoothies it would just eat through eat through anything you drop ice in there you could probably drop a rock in there i'm not sure um, <laughs> I miss blenders, my blender. That's a craving. That's a, that's a show. That's a show. Will it blend? Will it blend? That's how they advertise it. Will it blend? And they put like a rake handle in there. Yeah, I miss my blender. <laughs> Were we supposed to talk about parenting today? I don't know. Hey, this is parenting. This is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> don't feel like you have to like make it loop around to parenting and imperfect parenting. This is like, it's just, it's your story. And that's, you know, as a human being, that is parenting. That is part of the whole thing. Cool. So please don't worry about that. Because <laughs> we just told our kids, like, go play outside. We're, we're doing an interview. And so they're playing badminton outside. And I, awesome. you probably saw one of them tiptoed uh, yeah. past to go. You saw Looking them in. tiptoe past. Yeah, to go I'm, I'm, 
I, I love that though. It's that's that's the humanity of it. And you know, anyway, I never really use these videos. I just record them <laughs> no, one of these good. days. Who can get to the editing of that? Uh, but um, you know, I'm curious because we're talking about so many things. But one of the things that popped up when you were talking because when you are moving around, one of the things I noticed that we did when we were traveling a lot when Ella was smaller, and we still did because we were sort of let's say in transition for 16 months until uh, recently is there were rituals that I realized we did uh, in each place, not exactly nesting sort of, but there were certain things that Ella needed each day. And maybe that's because she's younger. Now your kids are kind of growing older. I'm, I'm just wondering if, if like at the beginning of this trip versus now, if there's any shift in that, you know, for example, she felt um, safe or whatever to every day. She likes to have, you know, a little bit of play before we do anything, even if it's only for five minutes, kind of that's the connect in ground in time. We do it in the bedroom, doesn't like to do it anywhere else. And then we start the day or I don't know, just, uh, or, or even just little other little rituals that we would bring into the day in, into each space, you know, putting them, I don't know, pillow in a particular place or whatever it is that would just sort of create that continuity. You have, you know, you have the credo of, you know, we are home, which is wonderful. And I'm wondering if there's any, any other pieces or you've seen that um, evolution. I came across a list of intentions that we brainstormed, right. As we got into the car more than two years ago, like, what is it we want? Who do we want to be at the end of all of this? Um, and on that list was we still read to our kids every day. Yeah, it's yes, it's interesting how quickly those it's quickly it's surprising how quickly some of the habits that the, the physical space helps facilitate. It's okay, well now you go up to your room and you brush your teeth and then I'll come read to you or you'll read on the sofa, you know whatever, you know a, a person's habit is and we we noticed after a while that we had I had stopped reading to them before bed at, at some point in time we're like how did that happen? Oh, well we got in late one night and so we missed it that night. And then we, we were in this, um, you know, two separate hotel rooms way down the hall. And so it's just kind of like, all right, good night, you go to bed and, you know, like things happen. And then you realize you look back, and you're like, wait, I don't, I don't read to my kids every night anymore. And so there was a big like pump the brakes kind of moment and realizing that we have to, we have to make this happen uh and it was easier when we when we had a consistent space uh but we have to and obviously we can then we have to choose to to do that and so we prioritize that so i get to read to them every night again and that's without without that is our this is home feeling yeah ella Ella likes that as well i get get, how do you how do you guys do that physically because uh you've got kids of three different ages and you're carrying everything around the world. So do you just pick up a book and it's a certain no, level? We live and like die. How, do you, how do you manage it? Or do you do it digitally or? Yeah, we live it? and die by our Kindles. Don't tell <laughs> our, our county back home, but we have never got rid of our library card. We still <laughs> check out cards, books on our, uh, for our digitally from like Uzbekistan. We're like, oh, I wonder what I can get from Virginia. This is great. Um, yeah. And um, so that that has been, that's been key. So we read on a Kindle and, uh, and they're close enough in age eight to 12 and they have similar interests and, you know, they, they read for schooling and, and for their own interests, um, uh, different things, obviously, but, 
I read something aloud to them that's of general interest. Yeah, and, I guess uh, with kids of, of really disparate ages, you may end up reading different things. When they were younger, I used to. If, if you yeah. go back, if you go back uh, three, four years, I literally, I'd have three boys lying next to me in bed at night with the youngest first. And I'd read a book to him that was age appropriate for him. We, we like Lloyd Alexander with the Black Cauldron books and whatnot. And then I'd send him off to bed. And then the next, they'd all roll a little bit closer. And then I'd read something that was appropriate for the, you know, the older one. And then we'd send him off to bed. And then I'd read to the oldest one. And, um, but one of the neat things, of course, is as a parent, you appreciate by reading to your child, you create opportunity to have discussion. And whether if it's a little bit above their head, that's perfect. Um, mm -hmm. I, they, they talk to me into reading something that is not over their head right now. So, um, <laughs> Which is. well, it's just a fantasy book that I read when I was in high school and, um, and it's not challenging literature and whatnot, but they had been asking about it for a long time. And, and so that's what we're reading now. So there isn't a lot of intellectual growth happening during that, you know, those 15 minutes every night, but, um, but there is, you know, there's the same bonding. Um, and then we'll, we'll loop back and do some proper literature when this it's my done. favorite time with my kids and mm. it's, it's a shame because sometimes I forget I forget that and I don't do it for a long time I, I think gosh why do I not feel connected to my kids and that is mm. always it somewhere right in there. our book I'm almost positive we explain that stories be they yours or borrowed from literature is one of the most powerful teaching um uh, arenas that you can work with is that you you read you know you can read Odysseus and you know Odysseus was a jerk when you get some basic level but there are a lot of lessons captured in the conversation about you know should he have blinded oh you froze ah hello so we came back to the dojos this uh, this past month we went back oh, wow. to visit, to get vaccinated, to do some work, be with the dojos for a while. And oh my goodness, I'm speaking of crumpling like a wet taco. I'm out of dojo shape. I Oh no. I'm really good at walking up mountains right now and walking for long distances in cities, but I have not practiced punching, kicking, being taken down to the ground, etc. And it brought into, it brought into light for me how we can be resilient in some ways that we practice and yet not be developing resilience in other ways. And it fascinated me. Um, I, I had a phrase in my mind that I kept chanting that first week. If I hike Tungurawa, I can do this. If I hike Tungurawa, <laughs> I can do this. I can do it. Oh, because yeah, I, I was really not fearful at all on, on the most challenging hike that we've had yet with our family. And yet found myself just quaking in, in the place that used to be very familiar and comfortable, albeit challenging. Um, so I, if you want to hone that into that's, a life, babe, please go for it. <laughs> that's really interesting. Cause Holly, when you first started telling me, telling us about this, uh, I was thinking you were meaning most physically but was it also on an emotional level inside of the work? It sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah. It was That's really it was powerful. A, a, fear, a fear of getting hurt. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And yes, the physical is out, out of there too. <laughs> but that's really strong because, you know, we've been having conversations uh, on the podcast and between Mats and I just about how I, I, I want to say when you don't use certain muscles, it's, it's, but it's also just doing things in general, because we've been talking about, you know, 
getting back into more of a workflow after mothering for almost mm-hmm. five years, more, more mothering and some podcasting, but, uh, and how, you know, the, that brave, fearless thing, you know, when he first met me, like, wow, you know, when you, when you, uh, get out of practice of using your body and your emotions and your spirit in a certain way. Uh, so it's really interesting to, to hear you say that because it's been a short amount of time you've been using probably your exploratory muscles and, and your emotions of, you know, being willing to, like you guys were talking about the very beginning of this podcast, the willingness to go into the unknown, that's, that Mm -hmm. takes a lot of courage, you know, as a family, as a person. And yet now, you know, that idea of you standing there and feeling so different inside of your body must be so foreign. Because it seemed like I had just practiced a lot of being courageous. Yeah. You know, everyone says like, gosh, you guys are so brave. And I did not feel very brave all of a sudden. It's just fascinating, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Hmm. It's pretty strong. I also think that like you were talking about the flow of things, even just coming back into society and and other people's company which should feel so natural it has been tricky right it's it's unfamiliar so it's whatever we practice we becomes familiar and it could be something horrid and and we if we practice it it'll be familiar you know well that's i think that's one of the questions uh that many people have asked about you know post pandemic (laughs) post pandemic what um do we do we shake hands? Do we hug? Do we go back to these basic things? Do we do we have a much higher threshold? I don't think anyone suggested that no one will hug anyone ever again, but do we have a much higher threshold, a, a stringent threshold about who we do hug? Uh, do we only shake hands in certain situations when it's an important, you know, meeting and we and we just kind of wave from over here? Or do we say that, you know, we, we, we liked making physical contact and, and we go, you know, go all in? And I, I don't know. All in for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's the Zoom meeting thing. I think two months in, I heard this, you know, read this article. It's like, everybody loves Zoom. This is so great. We're never going to go back to the office. This is, this is, we're really liking this. And like two months later, there's another article. It's like, we hate Zoom and we can't wait to like be in the same room with another human being. And then, you know, they, 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 you know, that uh, temperatures, you know, rise and fall and we get different senses and some things seem like a good idea until you have to do it too much. Uh, absolutely. I mean, we, I mean, I think logistically it is much easier to book a bunch of meetings with some, you know, space between and can go down and do your laundry, whatever, depending on how you, or, you know, go have lunch or whatever your, your reality is. But yeah, definitely, you know, the, the physical reality, it, it's so different. And, and we just had this recently where there was a meeting, somebody who, and I've had this a long time ago when I was single, you know, you'd meet somebody online, whether it was a friend or somebody else, and you'd, you'd uh, think they were one person online, but then when you feel them and you're in that space and you really have that exchange as two people standing in front of each other, it's very, very different. We just had this recently with somebody my husband was uh, having a long exchange with, was so sure that he really knew this person. And then, wow, but, on a, but, in a, but at gut level was feeling something else, which was mm. only confirmed when they met face to face. You know, yeah, Mm -hmm. that little twinge I had, now I get it. There's that prickly thing I didn't feel until I was really face-to-face with them. So 
yeah, there's, there's something, I think it's, you can't just <laughs> do one or the other. I think a mixing maybe, you know, can be helpful in life to not just only go back to physical meetings because sometimes it opens the world up to who you can connect with. That part is great, but only Zoom, mm, you know, where's the humanity in that? And I'm with you, Holly, about the, you know, bring the hugs back. It's ironic because we, we left check thinking, you know, I felt that like I had changed as a person because in California, it's like hugs, 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 hugs. And check is not exactly like that. And I was like, oh, I'm so looking forward to reconnecting and feeling that comfortable inside that affection. Cause I had gotten used to not being very touchy feel. And then I came to California and I'm like, suddenly I'm the person who's, you know, the, the tense one while somebody's hugging me instead of the other way around. When I came to check, I thought that was so ironic but then everything changed and now it is exactly like that. And I don't know about you, but it, it seems like in a way it not totally works, but in a way uh, it allows uh, permission to have better boundaries, which I think a lot of people were struggling with. And I noticed that more often that people are, are at least in our circles here in California, uh, they're more comfortable with hugging people in their inner, inner, inner circle which probably ultimately are the people they would rather hug anyway. But sometimes yeah. people will come up to you and be like, Hey, and you're like, okay, now it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's okay to say, um, I'm not quite there yet. You know? So yeah. uh, maybe it's, I don't know, but at the same time, you know, it'll find, hopefully things will find their balance, I guess. Uh, right. If somebody think- is still saying five years from now, like I can't hug you because of COVID, <laughs> be like I should. At some point, you need to take a hint. Just like you know what, <laughs> take it's, a hint. It's not COVID. It's you. <laughs> you know, at some point, at some point, you know, we're not there yet. Might it still be works. Something to look at. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down. I appreciate that tip in the future. <laughs> well, what? How have you seen? Uh, I, I mean, you know, since we are on the parenting thing, how how have you seen things shift with your kids? Not just pandemic, but just in their own evolution and the travels and what they were uncomfortable with at first and how they are now, because travel is transformative as we've been talking about. And, and uh, yeah, I'm just curious about that. If, you know, one child is a little more outgoing or one is more flexible or if they're, you know, basically the same, but older, you know, what, what I mean, of course they've aged two years, (laughs) but still. um, I remember my middle son who is now eight, no, sorry, was was eight and now is 10. He had a big trouble thinking about sleeping in any bed beside his own in the beginning. Hmm. Um, and that has completely disappeared. But what has not disappeared for him is he has trouble letting go of any clothing. You know, of course, he's um. growing and things don't fit. But he is <laughs> so attached to these things. And he, yeah, he is willing to carry around 20 t-shirts rather than give them away including ones with holes in them that we yeah, won't allow them to wear exactly yeah sorry buddy you can't wear so it but okay, yeah if you want to keep it we're gonna make them a t-shirt quilt i think we have finally found so whenever we go back to visit family it. we kind of drop off a load of <laughs> you know some things are the old ragged t-shirts and shorts too and pants well first the pants get when it. the knees get wore out he talks his grandmother into turning them into shorts but then once the shorts just get just worn through, it's like eventually, <laughs> like this is no longer covering your nakedness. The basic function of shorts is covering, and this is not doing says, it. These are not shorts anymore. They're part of me, you know. They they hold my memories. They so hold interesting. me when I look at them. I'm I'm transported back to those places. And you know, and there's a lesson for us with you know, there's a, that is so 
antithetical to my experience. Like this shirt no longer serves me. Off it goes, you know, and um, there's no emotional attachment. I own three t-shirts and I, and I, and I want to drop down to two, but my wife says that I should keep three. And, um, and I just, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand it. No, it's just that he's, he's so cute in t-shirt number three. How can you get oh. rid of that one? <laughs> I took a nasty turn. So, um, so it's so antithetical to my ways of being, but it's not bad or wrong. And so, you know, I spent a certain quantity of time, utterly wasted time trying to convince him it wasn't important before I finally like took a step back and says, no, no, what's not important is me caring. What's not important is my, my opinion about whether or not he keeps t-shirts, you know? And uh, once we say, all right, well, it's fine. We'll keep it. You still can't wear it in public. Just so we're clear, like we're not like that. I'm drawing the line there. But if you want to keep this in a, you know, in a closet at grandma's house, we can keep as many grandma's got lots of closets and you can keep as many shirts as you want. She doesn't mind one bit. Poor grandma. <laughs> she, doesn't, she doesn't mind one bit. Meanwhile, our oldest guy, now they were, mind you, they were all really on board with this idea in the beginning. And we, we double checked with some exit interviews, you know, like, all right, kids, we sat them down on the sofa. We did our and year anniversary interviews. We didn't do our two year yeah, anniversary. Oh, you're right. It's no, time for overdue. some more interviews. At any rate, kind of weird. We're a weirdo family. Um, so this no, guy. It's good to check in. It's important to check in. I'm glad you guys are doing that. I mean, you do it at no, work. No, the weirdo the is the video. Film it, though. The, 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 film, the filming is what makes it weird. <laughs> Checking it is good. Uh, yeah, but so, they'll, they'll appreciate that later. They'll be like really looking forward to that. When they bring a girlfriend home for the first time, home. like the first oh, thing we're going to do is, like, I, you know. <laughs> we're going to bring this to your, uh, yeah, okay. High school graduation. <laughs> so so our oldest uh, was was right on board from the beginning, but we knew we needed to jump on this at age 10 because we figured in about a couple of years he'd be wanting friends. And, and yes, that has come to pass. But what also has come to pass for him is he has become, I think, too flexible. Like we have practiced adaptability so much in these last two years that he no longer wants to have an opinion. He, he's the one who will be so quick to say, it's okay, whatever you guys want. It's okay, oh. whatever you guys want, to the point oh. where I start thinking, you've got to have some wants in there, and you're just not telling me because you think that's going to help the family flow, and at some point, that's going to bite us, bite you, yeah. bite, bite, bite the world. So let's you know, not be afraid to express opinions when you have them, and, and if he ever does express an opinion, I'm like, babe, babe, we got to do it, whatever it is. Well, but Let's that's, but that's that, what's know? neat about not having too many opinions. I'm not convinced this is a problem. Like, you, you say that he does it. So if you ask, where do you want to go to dinner? He said, anything's fine with me. And you say, you know, do you want to do this or that? Anything's fine with me. And, uh, and, and she's right. It does help everything flow. When you have to get five people to agree on where we're going to dinner, like it's nice when one or more of them says anything's fine with me. But when he wants to go read, there's nothing his brothers can do to convince him to go play with them. And when he decides he's, you know, like he, he, when he decides something's important to him, that's what he does. Mm. And, uh, and sometimes he says, no, I really want to go to this restaurant tonight. So, and like you oh, said, so maybe it's he a doesn't, good thing. he has practiced. He doesn't uh, express opinions all the time. And we, you know, we, we talk about this, this, um, this capital in relationships, you know, that if, if I give sometimes when it's important to you and you give sometimes when it's important to me, then we all end up happy in the majority of the time. And that works out really, really well. And he does that. He says, whatever, wherever you want to go is fine. And then every once in a while, he's like, I'd like to go here. And because we all respect the fact that he doesn't normally, you know, steer where we go, then it's so easy to be like, well, 
yeah, then let's go there because he hasn't picked in a long time. It's his turn. And uh, so I, 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 I heard you talking about this Ed, the other day, and I'm not, I'm not convinced that there's a, a problem there. Look for the times when he, when he does have an opinion. And, and the biggest one is when he says, this is what I'm doing right now. I'm going to go read. He loves to read. He goes to read and no one can stop him from reading. Mm-hmm. But, um, That's true. You just reminded me when they were little, everyone wanted to pick who, what music we're going to listen to in the car. And this is salient because the last time I wanted Jack to have an opinion was what music would you like to listen to while I'm cutting your hair? And he would not pick something and it drove me crazy because <laughs> I know he loves music and I know he could pick something because it used to, and it used to be. It feels like there's a know, lesson in here for you. I'm sure there always is. <laughs> you know, six years ago, nobody could get their favorite song picked. So I, I came up with a, a, an old CD and a little pipe cleaner that would like circle around the, the CD and whose turn it was. It was a marker. It was meant to indicate yeah, whose the, turn it the was. The pipe cleaner would go on to the L for Leo or the J for Jack or the S for Seth. Okay, you picked the last song. <laughs> oh my goodness. Good times. I miss those little dudes. Now I have medium-sized dudes and they're awesome, but they're not as cute. cute. They're not as cute. And they, they started off so cute and then they just get less and less cute as they head towards adolescence. It's, it's the fate of all of us. Uh, yes. Well, I feel like I have a, a 15 year old, so I, I totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, uh, no, you're not going to wear that. Are you I'm like, oh, God, what? what really? Oh no. oh no. She, no, she, she <laughs> won't say it like that. She, she will be honest though. If I put something on, she'll be like, no, that one's prettier. It's more, it's more to do with if there's color or no color usually. But and I don't no, know if this is just a boy versus, I don't know if there's a boy versus girl thing, but I could like walk out the door in a burlap sack and my children wouldn't know. Yeah, no. <laughs> like off we go. They'd walk out the door, you know, wearing their underwear if I didn't say something. I'm driving mine crazy by being the girl and being like, oh, that doesn't really match. <laughs> and they look to me and I'm like, I, I don't know. I just, I wear what she tells me to wear also. And we're, it works out for me. So. Oh, man. That's hilarious. <laughs> you're going to cut out all the parts where we come off as really bad parents right well i think that actually comes <laughs> off as being really good parents because you're human and that's what they need is you mm. you as who humans. you are as individuals and i love watching the two of you i'm just getting chills even like just i love watching the two of you you seem more fluid and um there's a I don't want to say a softerness, but I feel like you're, you're in yourselves more. No, I, I mean, just, well, first of all, we've met, we've met before, so that makes it easier. But I, I think that the best parenting uh, is, is you just each individually being yourselves to the fullest extent. And, you know, and that's what this conversation is about. That's why it's not an interview. We're just watching where things go. And, um, and it's, it's beautiful actually to, to have that come in that human piece because I think we're often you know not putting on a show but especially on podcasts it's so easy for us to kind of want to talk about certain things and want to put certain things out there and not put other things out there but it's that human part that is where the lessons are and that's where I'm learning from you and you're learning from me and I love watching where you each of you tense up and loosen up and where your different lines are and how they intersect. <laughs> it's so cool because I'll say, oh, oh, okay. You know, you start to go into it when there are those moments where I find myself slipping into 
trying to put each one of you into a box, you know, and I try not to do that, but be like, oh, okay, now she fits in that box. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. Now he fits in that box. And now, wait, they're not in a box at all. I, I love just <laughs> watching that yeah. because it's just, uh, you know, the, the continued movement of, um, of being a person on the planet. And, uh, and your kids are getting so much of that because they're getting you. And it's, it's exactly the, the other day someone said, I'm thinking about doing something. I think it was a job or something like that. And, uh, but you know, people, my, my, oh, it was some guy I met on the beach, actually, we were, the whole family was at the beach. This guy was sitting there. We started having this conversation and he was, he's somebody who works with boats and he kept saying, everybody says I should, you know, uh, I should take this position or take that position. I'd make so much more money and it'd be so much better. Mm -hmm. And he's like, but I won't be with my family and I won't know my kids. And you have three different sets of kids and none of them like you. And like, you know, I, it just, we were having the conversation of, a, you know, when I was an international school teacher and the kids from three to 19 with mafia parents to, you know, Prada phones down to embassy, whatever, like they were all these kids from 60 countries and they all would say the same thing, no matter what personality they were, in, no matter what country they were from they always ended up saying the same thing, which was, I just want time with my parents. And most of them didn't get that. And there mm -hmm. are moments where that's not even a choice. It's not possible. We get busy. We have a passion. We have a path. And there's nothing wrong with that. And we do the best that we can in the moment. But your kids are getting you, all of you, <laughs> in the best and well, the oh, yeah. ugliest, <laughs> most beautiful moments. Well, and, and we you guys talked are really about getting this. to know each other in an incredible mm -hmm. way. So, you know. That's a good. I think it all works out. We talked about this when we when we spoke last time, which was this idea that it's important that we let our kids see our failures, see our weaknesses, because it's so tempting to put on a show. It's so tempting to, uh, just like you say, to kind of put your best foot forward, not just in a podcast, not just when you're you know out in public, but in front of your own kids, because we we worry about being judged by our children. And um, but one of the realizations somewhere along the line is to the extent that we think that we are good people and our lives are good, and I think we're all right, and I know that my life's pretty darn good, then we want our children to, to learn as much as they can about us and to be, I don't want to say to be like us in the sense of like emulating who we are, but in the sense of like that we have strengths and we have weaknesses. And if we can just teach the, to them and then they can apply their personality over top of that and live the life that they want, um, then, then that's not all bad. And if, you know, if I started a business and it failed and then I started another business and it succeeded, you know, they, that, that's not the end of the world and they could go through life and have a similar experience and that would be okay. And if instead I try to hide the fact that I had a business that failed and I only talk about the business that succeeded, then, then we create this, this false image that they might have difficulty living up to. Hey, dad had a business. It failed. My first business failed just like dad's did. What's the big deal? You know? And, right. um, you know, my parents were down a path and they, they had their ups and their downs and they had the days when they didn't know what the heck they were doing. And, um, and I think that that's, you know, I thought when I was, when I was a kid, I thought my parents had everything figured out. Leo said he thought <laughs> this is so funny. that we were gods. He's like, you know, when I was little, you guys were gods to me. <laughs> And then he figured out that we weren't gods. And, you know, that must have been a rough day. for all We're a cool of us. one. I don't know. That must have been a rough day. But, uh, but if we... 
you were saying about your I'm parents. Sure. Oh yeah, no, I thought my parents, they had, I thought they had everything figured out. I didn't think they were gods, not in my recollection at any rate, but simply that they had everything. And then I look back and I, and I think, wait, hold on. I used to be 10 and my parents used to be 40. And maybe they didn't have everything figured out too. Cause I sure as heck don't have everything, everything figured out. But they pretended like but it. They, and, and again, I don't want to put anything on them that I, I was a kid, you know, I, you know, maybe they were trying to be as candid with them as I'm trying to be with my kids or, but maybe they weren't, maybe they were doing what uh, so many of us do and try to come off as really cool and knowledgeable and godlike to their children. <laughs> and, uh, and that forces this future realization of, of uh, the, their failability. And, and um, I, I think we've tried to shortcut that guys. I'm very imperfect. <laughs> The end. The end. <laughs> <laughs> but you're still my kid. And you still have to do what I say and go do the dishes. Well, <laughs> That's all that I got. We're the only parents they have. Do you guys do that differently now? The way that you <laughs> motivate them to do things now that you're on the move? Is it, oh, is it different? You know, that whole thing, you, you go to your room when there is no room. Or, when there's no room, you know, go. You're not going to have TV while there is so. no TV. You know, whatever We're it sharing is. A, we're sharing a hotel room. Go over there and be very quiet. You know, no. Oh, man, I still use the the toddler rule of if you're fighting over it, neither of you gets it. Yeah, I had to, we had and to take away, we had to take, we had to remove the armrest of a 747 once. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Got arrested. That's not, none of that's true. None of that's, that's true. not true. That's not true. Oh, but it's a very reasonable thing to suggest that we, um, that you take things away when they're, um, we have been very much of the opinion for a very long time that um, we are a team and we're the team captains, but we're a team and there things need to get done. And the team captains are going to decide who does it. And you are going to contribute to the household in the ways that we collectively decide. And um, the kids, they do the dishes and they sweep the floor and they do the laundry when it's appropriate. And they do whatever they're asked to do when they're asked to do it the first time because, no, or the second time. Sometimes the third, you have to get them to notice you because when they're reading, they don't notice you. Hello, hello, parent talking, and then yeah. they then they then they turn off their timer because they always time how much that they, they, they have to spend half as much time reading literature as they spend reading bubblegum books. So then they 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 stop their watch and close their Kindle and they look up and they're like, oh, I didn't notice you there. And then we get to say, okay, go do the dishes. And they say, okay, and then they go do the dishes uh, once you have their attention, and um, and they they do because. We don't, we don't do much with the whole punishing and the, I'm trying to think, do we have a lot of need for punishment anymore? We don't, we don't punish, we don't threaten, we don't, there's, there's not much to it, like, because they're part of a team and, and then you do the team and every once in a while, about once a week, you know, it tends to be a little more often with the youngest and less with the middle and then none with the oldest as you kind of look at their respective ages, like, oh, do we have to do the dishes tonight? Yes. And we have a family, family, a saying in this family, which is there's work to be done and somebody's got to do it. And it might as well be me. It's one of my favorite sayings. I don't know if it's their favorite saying, but it's one of my favorite sayings. <laughs> the realization, I think this is a big one. Whoever told you work was bad. I like working. You like working. I did the, this evening. I chose to do the dishes because it seemed like it would be nice. We have, we have a beautiful view out our window and I did the dishes this evening because I wanted to, and tomorrow they can do the dishes 
And the idea that somehow this is some kind of like cruel and unusual punishment is like, whoa, whoa, I did them last night because I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, this isn't cruel and unusual. So there's work to be done. We're all part of the team. And who um, said work was bad? And whoever said work was bad, I think that that's one of the greatest. And, and then we come back to schooling at some point. And there's a notion that some kids have adopted that, that schooling is bad. Education is bad. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to do that, learn these things and whatnot. And I think that we have, presumably from pop culture or something, whatever that is, um, has told our kids that work is bad, that school is bad, that hanging out with your parents is bad. You know, they, they've been told all of these things. And I, and I consider that to be one of the greatest travesties of, uh, of the digital connected world where there are all of these media sources telling them messages that are not consistent with reality, first of all, uh, but certainly not conducive to them having a productive and happy, healthy childhood. I'd say if anything, the conflicts that come up and, and I, I like you, Chris, I can't think of a, a need to punish very much anymore. You know, there aren't a lot of timeouts or spankings or anything like that, but, but there are conflicts and it's often with how the kids are talking to each other. We, we spend at least once a day talk about the tone of voice with which we communicate and does it come from us? Are we not, are we not using a nice tone? You know, you're, you're supposed to always look back like, okay, they got this from somewhere. Where did it come from? Um, oftentimes it's us. So well, I ho- hope that's not the case, but at any rate, we, we should be trying to model. It's good conf- yeah. It's all conflict re- resolution. And, you yeah. know, one kid has an idea and the other kid has a different idea and they're, and they should be waiting patiently and listening to what the other has to say, but they're all convinced that their idea is best. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, like everybody. Yeah. A little yeah, bit of bossiness awesome. going on. Yeah. Mm. But we talk through it and it's educate education. The answer is always education. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we say that in our book. The answer is always education. <laughs> and I know we're, we're wrapping up soon, but I, I do have, I just want to just quickly ask, since you mentioned education there, how many hours a day do you guys do technically at education? And are you getting lessons from somewhere? It's definitely somewhere in the like zero to 24 range. <laughs> all right so yeah our our education in a nutshell we already told you we try to read to our kids every day and that yeah. is as much like That's as fair. little as 10 minutes or you know i don't know as much as 30 on a good day max. an hour on a good day hour on a good day okay all right. um and that will be some nonfiction and some fiction, right? That's kind of our like nuts and bolts. If nothing else, we're going to read to our kids today. Um, yes, they have at this age, they have programs that they can work on on their own. That's really changed things quite a bit, um, especially because we don't have workbooks. We're not we're not packing a lot of paper as we move around. So we're, we're big believers in Khan Academy. Yeah, so. and it's also opened up the door Academy. for them to do things that we couldn't teach them. So they've done uh, computer programming courses that have exceeded what I remember of computer programming yeah. from my youth. Um, and, uh, and they're rocking through math and whatnot. And we've got them on grammar and, and, and reading comprehension. It's a real hands-off approach that we're taking. And so far it seems to be working. I, we haven't even really required any particular amount of time or number of lessons or anything. Have, 
ever. Sometimes we kind of suggest that now they should probably go do some of that before. Yeah, they, it's more like, okay, uh, this is a good time to catch up on some of that Khan Academy thing, <laughs> you know? Fun. But learning's fun. So they go log in and then they go do it. And then we go through stints like right now where we have two weeks in one place because the Irish government said we need to self-isolate when once we okay. arrived. Um, and back in the States, well, we had three weeks with, with aunt and uncle. And so I said, well, kids, what goals do you want to set for yourself? It's kind of cool. Like they're, they're old enough that they can create their, their own goals. And um, we've been working on this for, for several years, the idea of independent study, and you have a list of things that you're going to work off. And that includes things like cooking, it includes uh, art, some kind of art or craft. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a whole list of, of boxes to check and, and all kind of weighted equally so that they don't think that it's only math and all the time. Well, and this is one of the things that I always loop back to. And, I, and one of the things I really want to emphasize is, you know, um, calculus is cool. And, uh, you know, reading comprehension is important. Like these things are important, but conflict resolution, uh, resilience, um, confidence, um, interpersonal skills, um, logic, you know, some of these things that, that get sidelined in a lot mm-hmm. of forms of education are really what the most important, you know, if you, if you give me an 18 year old who has never studied math, right, doesn't know any calculus, but has mastered interpersonal skills, has mastered the ability to be curious and to have an empty cup and to learn and to ask questions and to be inquisitive and has learned how to be resilient. You know, you can give him a textbook and and he'll figure this stuff out. Like he can teach himself. But if you take somebody who's been shoved through all of these courses, but hasn't learned how to learn, hasn't learned to be resilient, hasn't learned how to interact with other people and to appreciate other viewpoints, he's useless. And so without ever that I did, I, we did it. We were in an interview last week and someone said, Oh, so you don't, so you don't teach your kids any math. I said, no, no, no. I didn't mean that we don't do any math. I didn't mean to math isn't important. They're doing math and they're doing fine. Um, but that that doesn't take some kind of pride of place above and beyond um, all of these other aspects and the other aspects come up in the stories like we we're talking about. Okay. So, you know, we're reading this book and this happened and what do you think about the decisions that the, that the uh, character made and did he make good decisions? Did he make bad decisions? Would you make the same decision? You know, what are you basing that on? And uh, understanding humans. The, the, I joked about the bubble gum into reading the bubblegum book, the, the literature or bubblegum book, as the case may be, that we read at night is always after a chapter of history, a section of our, our history book. And so it always starts with our history book. And we have done more consistently than any other curriculum that we've uh, done in all of their years of schooling is history because it, it's humanity. It's the story of what, what's happened. And, in, and if you talk, well, why did the king make this decision? Why do you think he did that? And what are the reasons? And, you know, obviously a lot of speculation, but we can understand so much of what humanity is by our history. And I was interesting. Like add, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and, and you're traveling now. And I'm sure one of the interesting pieces that I noticed traveling was as well, that, uh, history written in one part of the world or the other isn't always exactly the same. And so that's kind of deepening this, these lessons that you guys are going into. Oh so. yeah. Absolutely. We should not go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> that's a big rabbit hole. I thought I'd mm. throw it out there. But you are absolutely right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to add 
tagging onto the idea of exploring the world too, that, you know, I, yes, they do a Khan Academy and do their math and it's kind of cool that they all go off and do their thing. But I, I miss being together learning, honestly, like they're at different levels at this point and it's fine that they maybe need to do that. But the best times are when we are exploring together and that goes back to the reading or it goes back to just being out in the world, doing something together and approaching it with a mind of curiosity and openness to what we might be able to learn together because we're still learning all the time. I'm up to sixth grade math. I'm trying to catch up with my oldest. But you're spot on though. It's, it's interesting because I had somebody, I think it was after you got, yeah, I had uh, this woman, Heather Torres, and she was, she educated me about education. She's like the difference between homeschooling and home education. And that's exactly what you just described is that home education, homeschooling is like, here's the curriculum. This school is giving it. It's basically the same thing in school, but doing it at home, which is torture. And then what you were just talking about, I mean, that's life, like learning through life and adding in bits, as you were talking about, Chris, pieces that, uh, you know, are also important, but that, that interpersonal, that doing things together, that learning from life, because you're weaving the, the education into um, its relevance as well. It's relevant. The exactly. worst thing is when you're in school and you're like, why am I learning about this? And you're sitting there going through the book. I remember as a kid, that was the worst thing. Like, tell me why this is important. And unfortunately, a lot of the teachers didn't have a good answer rather than being able to weave it together, which is what you're doing through the living and the educating through, you know, you're measuring out, you know, how far you're going to actually get down the Chinese wall or whatever it is, you know, you're, you know, there's so many pieces along exactly. the way, which you get used to when they're small, you do that because they're, if they're at home, because it's what you do, you're just doing it naturally without even thinking about it being education. Of course, as they get older, because of the requirements for education, then you, it can mess things up inside the, the should. So it sounds like, uh, you know, you've got a good blend and uh, what a neat experience to learn together. How many families actually do that? on a regular basis, in, in fact. And you, again, learn a lot about each other through that process, which is Boy, and it goes powerful. back to the, the integrity of being uh, vulnerable for your kids. If you show that, like, I don't know what this poet is talking about right now. I can make a guess. You know, it, it makes it much easier for them when they are confronted with anything that they don't know, be, be able to say, I'll make a guess. Yeah. It's good enough. And in life, that's, and in school, in school and in life, that was often where you'd see the lines between the kids. There were a lot of kids who had ideas, but didn't know how, didn't feel comfortable, or it wasn't a regular part of their lives to be able to find a way for them as who they are to find a way to communicate and, and share their ideas. And uh, so what an incredible lesson. And I, and, you know, whatever they decide in their lives, it's interesting to me that while for years, I remember in my era, when people would talk about kids who weren't in regular school versus people who were, there was such a stigma, right? You know, oh, home educated kids, of course, they're traveling, so they're going to be cool. But, uh, but, but I was found it really interesting that there was even a study that talking about how the, the, you know, the, uh, the big schools actually look for people. If your kids decided they wanted to go to some college in the world, a lot of those schools actually prefer if they're going to have a mountain of kids coming at them with applications, your kids are the ones that they would be choosing because they know that they've 
experienced life and, and had to be, as you said before, they make their own goals and, and be self-reliant and uh, resilient uh, in a way that the average kid doesn't always get a chance to discover. So, you know, you're giving them options, <laughs> whatever those options are, whether they decide to continue to do something incredible all around the world or stay put for a little while and do a college or whatever they decide to do, you're, you guys are giving them options and, and you as well. So Wow. Well, we hope so, Ariel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what they decide, as we said before, might not be what, you know, as a parent you, you hope or want, but ultimately if, if they're following their own um, path and they're listening and they're, you're teaching them right now how to listen to their, their voice inside and to follow what's coming up. I can see that just from what you guys have been talking about. And what I see pop up, it's a, uh, it's an incredible gift that, vulnerability and that experience and that togetherness and all that you're doing that, that willing to do things differently, uh, that, uh, a lot of people listen right now, they'll be listening to this and wondering, you know, could I, would I, you know, do this and how can I do this in my own life, whatever I choose as a path. And so I encourage whoever's listening out there to find your own way to do pieces of this that really sing to you, because there were so many there was such a diversity and complexity of what we talked about today that includes so many different people. So if you took one thing from today's podcast that we've been talking about and, you know, consider applying it to your, your parenting world, uh, along with, of course, resilience, parenting, the book, uh, <laughs> I think it really could make such a difference. So thanks for coming in to check in you guys. Thanks Ariel. Thanks for having us. It's and I know we joy. went over a bit, but I can't help it. You guys are just so great to talk to. And so tell us how we can support you. Remind everybody out there who had maybe didn't hear the last podcast, where would you like them to find you? So our book, Resilience Parenting, is available on Amazon, of course, and uh, all sorts of places that books can be bought. And then also at our website, resilienceparenting.info. And then our travel blog, if I can mention that, is fivebackpacks.family. And that's five spelled out, fivebackpacks.family. And we'll write about all of the nonsensical things that happen as we wander the globe. Maybe <laughs> if you read it, you'll get inspired to take that first trip with your kids or yes. all the way up to cut loose and be crazy nomadic. Have Why a midlife not? crisis around the world, just <laughs> like we did. And both of our websites, both of our websites have our email addresses. People can reach out. We'd love to hear. Oh, absolutely. And I can tell you personally, uh, you guys definitely contact them if you've got a question or you're looking to be inspired. Oh, we would love uh, that. Or just we pop on Instagram and, and see these gorgeous photos you guys are putting up there. And thank you again for making time from across the world. Again, this time we're on opposite continents. Funny enough, we've swapped sides of the world and uh, yep. it's pretty cool. Thank you. Good to see you. Thank you for listening to our Very Imperfect Parenting Podcast. If you'd like a little more like live coaching sessions, then jump into facebook.com backslash IPParents. You can also write me at ariel at imperfectparenting.net or jump on that site for other resources like book reviews and other fun things. If you would just share with one person or let one person know about this podcast, that helps us a lot. As well, we have Patreon with extra privileges and have a beautifully imperfect day. Thank you so much for being out there.